0: Good morning, Berean Bible Church. We are so happy to have you here with us. My name is Paul, one of the pastors here, and wherever it is you're joining us from this morning, uh, I am really excited to have you worshiping with us. Thank you for spending this time. Uh, I wanted to share something with you uh, from my personal collection. A lot of you know I've joked about this before that I really love Ferrari. Um, and so I have here uh, the closest I think that I will ever get to owning a Ferrari. This is uh, something that I keep in my office. Uh, this uh, particular model is a replica of the La Ferrari. It's one of their supercars. Um, And the reason I brought this one in particular isn't because it would be my favorite model necessarily, but more because it was big and I thought you could see it easily. But I really like this. Uh, Like I say, I keep it in my office. It's fun. Uh, Sometimes when kids are in there, they get a kick out of this. But if I had a real Ferrari, one sitting out in my driveway, um, that would be pretty neat too. But if I had a real Ferrari sitting in my driveway but I still fixated on this sort of instead of the real thing? And maybe you would come over and say, why does that car just sit there in your driveway? Why do you never drive it? And I said, oh, but but look at this. Look at this. Isn't this really neat? That'd be really strange, right? That would be weird. You would wonder, why on earth I was I was fixating on this? It's not that there's anything wrong with this, but if I was fixated on this instead of the real thing, that would be uh, really weird. It would be strange. I want you to grab your Bibles today. We're gonna look at a whole number of passages today, but I wanna start out by telling you that I am today really encouraged about the church, and I think during this time of pandemic and this time where we're, we're doing things a little bit differently, uh, one of the concerns that a lot of us have had is, what about the church? And I just want to start out right away by telling you that I am so encouraged uh, by the church, by the state of the church, and I want to tell you why today. So as we do that, uh, grab your Bibles, and we're going to start out today in 2 Corinthians. Now, this is going to be one of those uh, sermons where we're going to look at a number of different passages. So oftentimes, we sort of settle in one place and really dive deep into one particular passage. Uh, this morning, I'm going to skip all over the place. I hope you're you're ready for that and prepared for that. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, though, because the Bible uses a number of uh, different metaphors to describe the church. And when we talk about just the nature of the church and what it is that makes it powerful and important and profound, um, I think it's good to look at these metaphors. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 18, it says this, and, and before I read it, this is a really interesting passage, this whole bit uh, from, from the latter part of verse 16 down through 18, because in this passage, the Apostle Paul, who's, who's writing this letter to a church in Corinth, he's drawn from uh, quite a number of Old Testament passages, and he sort of patched this all together. And we've said before, I believe that he's done this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so it's not as if he's just doing this creatively on his own even you know he's being led by the spirit to write these things but this is really fascinating he pulls from a number of different passages for this little this little bit and in your bible it might be indented a bit to look like poetry um, to sort of offset it there and he's quoting from a number of places but in verse 18 he says this i will be a father to you now this is god speaking to his people Says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me," says the Lord Almighty. That's the first thing. The church is frequently described as a family. Now we could look at a whole bunch of other passages just with that topic, and I'm just going to use this one this morning. But you know, we're frequently referred to as children. We refer to God as our heavenly father, this idea of family. And this particular passage is, again, it's so fascinating to me that Paul uses this because in its original writing, and, and even that bit comes from a number of different places, but most closely from a a, a passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 43, uh, verse 6, where he uses this language of sons and daughters and, and him being their father. And yet Paul now uses this to describe the church in what was his modern day. And so he pulls this passage that was originally written specifically about the nation of Israel and uses it now in this new context and describes the church as a family. The church is a a family. We often refer to this, that we're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. What an amazing, uh, brilliant truth. Uh, Turn back to the book of John, John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, in verse 5, there's this verse that I know so many of you will be really familiar with, where Jesus says, "'I am the vine, you are the branches.'" Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. Here Jesus describes his followers as branches on a vine with he himself being the vine on which there are these branches. Now here again I want to be really careful with this as, as we're endeavoring to be good Bible students. Uh, here, I would argue that he is still speaking this to his Jewish followers in this time. And yet, this metaphor gets carried forward on into uh, the, the New Testament as something new happens. And as the Apostle Paul says, now the church is made up of Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free. We looked at that uh, last week. Uh, and in Romans chapter 11, if you want to turn to Romans chapter 11, there's this very similar metaphor. This time it's a tree. So in John, he refers to uh, a vine, and you might think probably a grapevine with branches on it, but it's a very similar metaphor here. And he talks about this tree uh, and, and specifically an olive tree. And in Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 17, it says this, But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, don't be arrogant toward the branches. Now, I want to stop there and make sure that we all understand sort of the context of this. Again, Paul is writing predominantly to Gentiles here. In fact, he says that in verse 13. I'm I'm speaking to you Gentiles right now. And he uses the same metaphor of this plant. In John, it's a grapevine. And here, it's an olive tree. But it's the same idea that, that we're branches on this tree. And, and Paul is saying here, now, listen, you have been grafted in. You Gentiles have been grafted in to a tree to which you didn't used to belong. But now, praise God, you do. But he's saying, be careful and don't be arrogant about that. If you are, I'm back in verse 18. Remember, it's not you who support the root, the root, of course, being Jesus Christ himself, but the root that supports you. Here again, we're branches on a tree or on a vine. This really wonderful reality Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And again, I know we're going to a lot of different places uh, this morning. I know some of you uh, get excited about that. Uh, if you feel like you're scrambling and looking for all of these references, that, that's okay. Don't worry. You, you don't need to worry about that. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, it says this, we are God's fellow workers. And then Paul writes this, you are God's field. Here, Uh, He compares the church to whom he's writing. And again, this is another letter to the church in Corinth. Uh, Here he compares the church to a field, that we're all like this field of crops. And just think, you know, still in this time when this is being written, how important crops were. I'm not suggesting that they're unimportant to us now. Uh, crops are still really important to our society, you know, for feeding all of us. But maybe even more so, then more people had a more direct connection to this idea of the importance of a field and of the value of the crops that grew there. And Paul says, You're you're God's field. I love that. You're God's field. But then in that exact same verse, in the same breath even, there's just a comma there. Then he says something else in the same verse. You're God's building. That's the next thing. That you are a building. And so he very quickly shifts metaphors there and says not only are you this field, like a field of crops, but you are a building building. Now, keeping with that thought, he's even got some specific things in mind with the type of building. Uh, If you want to turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to go to verse 4. So 1 Peter chapter 2, that book's a little shorter uh, later on in the New Testament, and so you might have a a little bit more difficulty finding it. But 1 Peter chapter 2, and in verse 4, it says this, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. And so now he adds to that idea of of. Of a building, and where Paul has written before about us being first a field, and and then this idea of being a building. Peter now, as he's writing this letter, sort of adds some specificity to that and says, "You're like living stones that are being built into a spiritual house. Think a temple. I mean, they they had this uh, very strong concept in their society of the temple in Jerusalem that was very important." to the Jewish people. And here now Peter writes to the church and he says you're you're living stones and you're not just any old building but you're being built into a temple. But here again in this exact same verse you're you're being built into a spiritual house and then he says in the same breath again here Peter as he's writing to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So now we've got, we've got a number of, of, of metaphors. There's a family. There are branches on a, on a tree or on a vine. There's a field of valuable crops. There's a building, more specifically, uh, uh, living stones being built into a, a temple as the building. And then Peter says, in addition, you're this priesthood. As a people, as a church, you're a priesthood to God. Just think about what the priesthood meant to them, those those people that ministered in the temple and had that that very special ministry. So a group of priests uh, are are described here as what the church is. If you wanna turn back to Hebrews, Hebrews uh, chapter three, it's a little bit before First Peter, where we just were. Hebrews chapter 3, in verse 3, it says this, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. So now Jesus, in this context, is being compared to a builder, and and he says, just as the builder of a house has more, more glory, more honor than the house itself, so Jesus has this honor. But then, as we keep reading, for every house, verse 4, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are, are his house isn't that incredible again it's very similar to this idea of of being a building of being the temple but here he says very clearly we are god's house and lastly as we just continue to to reflect on all of these things i want to go back to our scripture reading for this morning which is in first corinthians chapter 12 first corinthians 12 uh, starting, uh, uh, well, well, there's a whole passage that was read, but we're just going to read really specifically now verse 27. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, just very pointedly, you are the body of Christ and individually you're members of it. And I love this one most of all, that we've said so many times. And, and, and Paul here is very clear that there's this this mystical sense even in, in which we are members of Christ's body. What an incredible, powerful series of metaphors, the Bible and the writers of, of these various letters to, to the early church. Uh, the, the, what a picture it paints of how profound the church is, of the power that the church has, that just its nature Is so very incredible. And what I find so encouraging is that none of these things are dependent on us being in the same room on a Sunday. Now, again, let me be really, really clear. I want to be careful about this. I'm not being dismissive about our Sunday morning services when we are together in the same room. I'm not poo-pooing that. I'm not suggesting that that's not important. I think it is. It's wonderful. I've said many times, as I know many of you have, I can't wait to get back to that. However, what I do want to suggest is not being able to do that does not detract in any way, shape, or form from what is really truly the nature and the power of the church the body of Christ do you understand what I mean that all of these things maintain their truth they maintain their power whether or not we are able for this short period of time to meet together and I say short period of time I know it feels like an eternity to us it's it's been way longer than we were expecting already but it's a relatively short period of time that all of these things maintain their truth. The fact that we are a family, that doesn't go away. Uh, Some of you just in your regular families, you've got family members that you were used to seeing and now we're all taking a step back. Uh, there have been, uh, my, my mom has had her birthday and Mother's Day since we've started this. And on both of those occasions, you know, we, we went and spent some time standing in their front yard while they were on their front porch. I wasn't even able to hug my mom But that doesn't mean she's not my family anymore. Our family is still the same as it ever was. The same is true of our church. The fact that we're branches on this tree, that isn't dependent on whether or not we can meet in a certain way or in a certain form. That just is. It's a spiritual reality that doesn't change no matter what us being a field of crops, us being a building and a temple, these living stones being built into a temple that were God's house, that were a royal priesthood. You see, none of that is dependent on us being together in a certain place on a Sunday morning. That doesn't mean that our church gatherings on Sunday morning aren't important. They are, and I sincerely hope that when we are able to gather again, that you'll come back and that you'll join us and that you'll be excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, none of these spiritual truths are diminished by the fact that we can't meet together, and that is so encouraging to me. I'm so thrilled about that and not only does it not change the nature of the church and the power of the church and this spiritual reality of who we the church are but if you think about it 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 doesn't change the purposes of the church either Now, I'm not going to go to a a number of passages. I've already taken you all over the place this morning. But just if we could boil down, and there are a number of different ways we could talk about the various purposes for the church, but just in very broad strokes, I want to suggest that what's good about the church is worship, is uh, nurturing and, and growth in the body of Christ, and is evangelism. But here again, do you see how none of those things is really affected, especially for us. When it comes to worship, we often make the mistake of of calling worship the thing that we do on Sunday morning. But of course, the Bible paints a picture of worship that's much, much broader than that. That our whole lives are worship. That our lives ought to be a, a living testimony and a praise of God our Father. And we still can be doing that. I hope we are doing that as God's church, that we are still actively worshiping. And in fact, just this that we're able to do together, the, the fact that while we can't meet in the same room on Sunday morning, the fact that we still, by this technology, can sort of join our hearts together and sing together and still uh, do that element of praise together in a way that we wouldn't have been able to decades ago. That's exciting. That's so wonderful. The fact that the church is here to, to grow and to build up followers of Jesus Christ that we're not called to to just make sure people accept Christ and then be done with it, but that there's to be this ongoing process where every single one of us is growing. And that's what the duty of the church is, is to, to cause that growth, to build up the church, to mature individual believers. But see, we're still doing that. And again, praise God that we're living in an age where we have this extra layer of technology and we can still do that. That's still happening. That hasn't been taken away from us. And lastly, that we are to evangelize the world around us, that we're to share with our world Jesus Christ. But see, that isn't dependent on this meeting together that we have on Sunday mornings. In fact, it's it could be argued that it's only after that time as we've all been equipped and encouraged that then we go out and then maybe that real work begins as we go out into an unbelieving world and share Jesus Christ with them do you see why i'm so encouraged this morning about the church and i think a lot of us have had conversations about well what does this mean is is this um, are we are we doing something wrong by not meeting even and i just as some of you will be thinking about the specific verse in hebrews that says let's not forsake the gathering of ourselves together but that verse is really written to people who have done just that they've decided for whatever reason yeah you know meeting together it's that's kind of optional you can do it or not do it it's not a big deal And the author of Hebrews says, no, it is a big deal. You should keep doing that, and we should keep doing that. But we're not in the process of of giving up on or forsaking that. None of us in our minds have said, yeah, church isn't that important. We're just for a short period of time, because of a unique point in our history, not meeting together temporarily. But we'll get back and we'll do that. But in the meantime, while we're unable to meet in the same space, I want you to be encouraged this morning that the church in its spiritual reality, in its nature and in its power and in its purposes has not been diminished a single bit. That's so exciting. Our God is so good. I'm so thrilled about that this morning that God is guarding and protecting his church, that, that it has this same value we're still this brotherhood, this sisterhood of, of, of priests. We're still living stones being built into a, a temple. We're still this field of, of crops. We're still branches on the tree, on the vine, the root that is Jesus Christ. We're a family. And of course, we are a body. None of that has changed. And I want to remind you of that. I want you to be encouraged by that. And I also want you to be challenged by that. If you uh, have felt like maybe you're taking a break from being the church just because we're not meeting together on Sunday mornings, I want to challenge that in you. We still have the same purposes, the same duties, the same responsibilities. And all of this spiritual profound truth is every bit as true. And so don't let yourself slide in your head and thinking, well, we're all taking a break and so we'll just coast for a little while. No, we're still this powerful Wonderful spiritual reality that is the church, that is the body of Christ, that is this spiritual temple, that is this beautiful plant with Jesus Christ as our root and our foundation and our vine. All of that is true, and we have the same purposes to be worshiping God, not just on Sunday mornings, but with our whole lives to be building each other up and nurturing each other as the truth, that we all be growing in, in, in maturity as, as the church and that we would be evangelizing to our world. Be encouraged this morning. The church is still healthy because it's not dependent on just a group of people that come together and are in the same room once a week. That's not what makes the church powerful. It's not what lends the church its spiritual power and its spiritual nature. And it's not what lends the church its, its ultimate purpose and its duty. We can and we should still do all of that. And I'm excited and encouraged by that this morning. And I hope that you are too. Now let's pray together. Our Father God, uh, we thank you so very much for your church. And we recognize that we are just that. We are your church. And Father, I thank you that even in this time when things are are different, they're not maybe ideal, it's not our favorite thing, and yet I thank you for all of these reminders from scripture that the real power of the church doesn't lie in the fact that we gather together in a place it lies in you in this wonderful, beautiful spiritual dimension by which you have made us this profound living organism, which is the church. And that you have given us as the church this this these purposes, this reason for being here. Father, I thank you that this hasn't been diminished. And in fact, I thank you that maybe during these times we even have some some new and different opportunities to be the church that we we didn't have before. God, you're so good and sovereign and wise and wonderful, and help us to see that even in this time that we have an opportunity to be the church. What a wonderful, powerful thing. And Father, we pray for anyone that might be with us this morning that isn't right now a member of the church and of course we don't mean just a a local congregation but but even this more powerful dimension of all of the believers in jesus christ are all together in this universal church no matter what local church they attend and father for our friends that that maybe aren't in that church this morning because they've never trusted jesus christ we pray that you will draw them to yourselves, that they'll hear that message this morning, that Jesus came and lived among us and lived a perfect life so that he could be a perfect sacrifice on our behalf and satisfy your holy and just righteousness. And that by accepting Jesus's work, his, his actions on the cross and after rising from the tomb, that by accepting all of that and putting on his righteousness, that we can be saved, that we can be adopted into your family, a living stone built into a temple, your children, brothers and sisters with each other, and that it's as simple as trusting Jesus fully for what he did on our behalf. God, we pray that during this time in our, our culture, and our society, and our world, that there will be a whole new harvest of people turning to you, turning to Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the power of the church. And we pray all of these things this morning in Jesus Christ's powerful name, amen. Thank you again for being with us. I hope you have a wonderful week. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. God bless you.